Nestled among the hustling and bustling bars on South Franklin Street sits the historic Alaskan Hotel and Bar. For over 100 years, the hotel and bar have welcomed quite a few spirits in, but one can't find her way out. Our second story dives into the tales of Kettering's Witch's Tower, a watchtower in Hills and Dales Metro Park. Strange tales have surrounded the tower for decades, and Jen will share with us tonight on Hometown Haunts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Hometown Haunts Podcast. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me on this endeavor into the endless mysteries from around the world are my friends, Christina Wald and hey. Ben Kohler. Hi. Hello. How is everyone doing tonight? Just doing Same lots of thing. drawing. Yep. <laughs> Have you thawed out from the freeze that hit the Midwest? Yes, mm-hmm. now we're in soup mood. Soup <laughs> mode. Yeah. Yes. And everything that when I was driving to school today, it looked like I was driving through soup. It was foggy oh. because it suddenly got warm today. Oh, I mean, yes. It's like in the 40s now from being four to 40s. Oh, geez. <laughs> and is... it's raining. Everything's melted. And, you know, I do not miss those wild temperature swings that Cincinnati is known for. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it was 50 here, but it's always foggy. Yeah. Every morning it is rain and fog. And you pray you don't hit bears on the way down mm. to wherever you're going off the mountain. And uh, yeah, I, you got Seattle weather. It mm. feels like it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's supposed yeah. to rain all week, but that's okay. That keeps me from being distracted and trying to get all the artwork done. I have to get done. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't leave the house unless I have to. So <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow I'm leaving because. I'm going over to your house tomorrow, Christina, and then I have a, I've been taking a metal clay class. Oh, Um, neat. Metal clay class? Metal clay. Yeah, it's. What is that? uh, Metal particles, like fine silver, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. bronze, uh, copper. Yeah. That is in clay form. It's mixed with a binder, and then you put it in a kiln, and you center it, and then it, it burns the binder out and it leaves the particles into whatever shape you put the clay in and then you have a metal piece yeah Yeah, it's really cool yeah i've been wanting to take it for a while because i found a video on youtube one night and finally there's a class here that i found and who's it through arts connect in springfield Township. yeah it's really cool place it's a huge building that has all this space for a bunch of different art classes yeah and uh i love it yeah, I really like it. Not that I need another thing to do because it, it is not cheap. The mm-hmm. clay is not cheap. The bronze right. is cheapest. But interesting. Um, it's really kind of cool and fun. You could take photos and make an art book of your works. Yes, I could. Yes, you could. I don't know if I make anything that's uh, my pro. <laughs> I am paralyzed by too many options at the moment of Uh, what I want to do with my life and the things I want to make and do. mm -hmm. And I want to do analysis paralysis. Yes. And I can't (laughs) do any of it. Oh no. (laughs) And I do nothing. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Welcome to my no my brain. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Need to yeah. soon because I need that money. was me during the holiday breaks. Yeah, that was just too much decision making and freaking out and mm-hmm. random nosebleeds and that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it wasn't a fun end to the year, but we've figured things out and it works now. So much better Yay. place, much happier place. I've, I've been drawing lots and lots of comics in the past few days. and I've uh, noticed on social media. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that it's been fun. Um, actually, that reminds me. That actually brings us to. Wow. Great segue there, Kat. Um, <laughs> the Frogman Fret Fest 2024. So March 2nd in Loveland, Ohio. We will be there. It will be awesome. It was great last year. I'm looking forward to seeing and meeting a bunch of our listeners because we met so many last year too that came to the table. And many of you made the comment of, wow, Kat, you're shorter in person. And <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am a very short person. Uh, but it was great meeting everyone. And uh, for it, I'm going to bring up here now, we have Frogman Funnies. I just Ooh. got it yesterday. So, so this is... Uh, not an anthology comic coming from Corpse Flower Press, uh, which is the publishing house I own, but tooting my own horn there. Uh, but this is a wonderful full color comic done by Tim Fuller, who's the art director for the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. And it is just like his previous comics, but it's all cryptid themed. So we have two Mothman stories two frogman stories awesome. and a bunch of strange alien tales and they're all those rift classic comics that he's able to use so it's it, it's hilarious i there was multiple times i was laughing while editing through the the book awesome so i was i was sitting there going are editors allowed to laugh i, I i'm course. doing it now of course they are and then uh, <laughs> um also in in April, on April 27th of this year, I'll be at the Alaska Robotics Minicon in Juneau, Alaska again. So I was there last year. It was fantastic. And I am coming back to haunt you all in Juneau. You're much closer now. Yeah. I am. Oh, I booked my tickets last night. Mm -hmm. And whoa, the options now for flights. So many more. (laughs) (laughs) Last year, I showed up at like just shy of one in the morning from mm-hmm. my flight from Seattle. It's the near red eye mm-hmm. uh, that Alaska Airlines does. And uh, that was not fun. So basically when I woke up from my, in my hotel room last year and I remember opening the window to look out and there's bam, there's a mountain right there. And I'm from the Midwest where everything is flat. So that was shocking because I landed in Juneau in the middle of the night. So that was great. This year, I get to arrive at lunchtime and enjoy walking around the streets downtown Juno before um, doing the events for the comics. Awesome. Minicon. There we go. Mm-hmm. So that will be at the Alaska State Museum. That's also an awesome museum. If you've never been there, they have a bunch of taxidermied animals, including. That sounds like, really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And I missed it last time. No. Because. Like the museum was open. I could have walked in and looked at the taxidermied animals, but no, I was too busy talking to everyone else. And by the time I had time to do it, the taxidermied section was closed. So uh, yeah, this is going to be something I do probably the day I arrive. I'll just 
go over to the museum and maybe sketch there. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, they have a I, lot of great taxidermy at the New York City Metropolitan Museum History Museum, Natural, Natural History Museum. Yeah, yeah, they make good animal specimens to draw. Yeah, it's, it's they stay still for one thing. They mm -hmm. do. That makes them really yep. easy. At least so. one hopes. <laughs> if they start, start moving, run. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's turning into night at the museum or five nights at Freddy's. Something like that. Something strange is happening. Oh, Apparently Ben cool. Stiller was in Cincinnati recently. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. He was shooting. shooting something. What was he shooting? I don't know. Mm. I just... Somebody put Ben, we're ready for our night at the museum. On, I don't, can't remember where it was. but It was on like what. a church's little bulletin board. You know, something. where they say like worship things and then they had that mm -hmm. and yeah. uh and he took a photo with it it was all over yeah. reddit yeah i was like hey <laughs> so yeah yeah would like to met, have met him that'd been cool but i'd have to leave my house <laughs> that's the first step jen leaving your house mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's too cozy in here uh, <laughs> but with the cats and it is cozy yes the tv the tv my blankets yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So that is all of our news for now. Mm -hmm. And now we go on to the main event. So I'm starting off, I think, this time with the Alaskan Hotel and Bar. Wow. Wow. Theme here. Mm -hmm. So sources for tonight's, for my segment, is the Alaska Public Media Encyclopedia of Haunted Places by Jeff Belanger, The World's Most Haunted Places by Jeff Belanger, Haunted Alaska, Ghost Stories from the Far North by Rob Went, and Spirits of Southeast Alaska, The History and Haunts of Alaska's Panhandle by James D. Devereaux, KTOO News. So, oh. yes, this is, this is a fun one because I have personal experience visiting this place. Ooh. So we get oh, cool. a little bit more information than... Um, some of our other episodes. So, Juneau, Alaska is a charming city. I highly recommend everyone visit, not necessarily on a cruise liner, but if that's the way you go on, that's how you visit. The locals are super amiable, and they are super chatty, and they are happy to tell you what's good around town between the flocks of tourists visiting for the couple of hours that they may be visiting off of their cruise lines. And wow, when you... There were six large cruises docked on the port the day I was had free time to just to walk around. It was one, a zoo, but also I did not realize how big these cruise boats are. They are massive. And the other really cool thing is the port is also a water airport. So all of the seaplanes are taking off and landing in the port next to where these large cruise ships are. It was amazing and loud. But amazing. Uh, I was, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I was lucky enough to visit last year for the Alaska Minicon. And uh, one of the things that I made sure I did was visited the most haunted hotel in the entire state, which is the Alaskan Hotel and Bar. So Alaska's Inside Passage has always been inhabited. This is kind of where a lot of the, the haunted history books kind of forget about this. The area that we now call Juneau was once one time a lush fishing ground for the Uk and Taku tribes. And I am so sorry if I butcher names here. I looked them up. There are no pronunciation guides. So I am trying. 
The Aquan have a village and burial site in Juno and is now located at a place called Indian Point. It is considered a sacred place and the uh, Akut and I am so sorry, everyone. The Akutquan and Sea Alaska Heritage Institute have resisted development there. In 2016, Indian Point was listed on the National Historic uh, Register of Historic Places, making it the first traditional cultural property in Southeast East Alaska to be placed on the register. Juno is a social center for the Tinglet Haida in Shimshun people in southeast Alaska. While visiting Juno, I suggest visiting Sacred Grounds Coffee House, which is owned and opera- operated by the Central Council of Tinglet and Haida in- Indian Tribes of Alaska. They make a really good coffee, but also the ambience is excellent for urban sketching because you're right next to a lot of the government buildings. So in the morning, you get to see a lot of people just kind of go that are locals to Juno. Anyway, back to the history. What we're taught in the lower 48 is that Juno was, quote unquote, discovered by Joe Juno and Richard Harris and their gold expedition in 1849 for mining engineer George Plitz. Before that, Alaska was considered a Russian territory until it was sold to the United States in 1867 after Juno and Harris discovered gold nuggets. And I quote from Juno, as large as peas and beans. The tent city at the base of Mount Juno grew as an influx of miners swept into town, mostly miners that came from the West Coast after California kind of putzed out. Saloons, brothels, and general stores were erected to serve the men who needed supplies and entertain the town. One of these buildings is the Alaskan Hotel. Built in 1913, it was built by the brothers James and John McCloskey and hotel entrepreneur Jules J. Caro. And yes, like McCloskey Chevrolet in Cincinnati. So <laughs> every single time I read that name, I had that jingle go through my head. The McCloskey brothers struck it rich during the early mining days of Juno, which is how they acquired the prime real estate near the ship docks in the city's business district. The Alaskan Hotel in is Juno's oldest continuously operated hotel, and the night it opened saw one of the largest parties in the city at the time. People from all over attended the opening night gala, where alcohol flowed and the tours of the marvelous building were had. And it made the newspaper several times over. Like many of the inns dotting the frontier at the time, it also operated some of the rooms as a bordello. And I did not realize that you could have an inn that worked as both a bordello and an actual inn where people would be going in and out or staying there for weeks at a time. It, yeah, that sounded wrong. Stop looking at me, Jen. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. Hmm. Yes, the, the guests would be there for several weeks at a time at the inn, and people would frequent the brothel rooms nightly. There we go. Uh, the rooms that are allegedly used as the bordello rooms were rooms 222, 223, 322, and 323. Lucky me, I got 323. And all of these rooms also have private baths. And these are also the rooms that look out onto franklin street so in uh yeah those all the all those bay windows those are the haunted brothel rooms allegedly however there was room remodel in the 1970s so the room numbers are not completely certain 
generally you can go with the entire attitude or the attitude that the entire hotel is haunted. It was in the early 1900s that the first ghost of the Alaskan hotel and bar was said to have originated. In the early years of the hotel, a frontier miner and his new bride, often referred to as Alice, were seeking their fortunes on the rough American frontier. The miner told Alice that he was going to be gone for only three weeks while he worked some of the mines in the mountains. She waited at the Alaskan, but when three weeks were up and he did not return, Alice was concerned. When a few months had gone by and her husband still had not returned, Alice was panicking. Without him home for such a long time, all the money that she did have saved up had since run out, and Alice no longer had the funds to stay at the hotel and was faced with sleeping on the streets, which are super cold and muddy. So she turned to the only thing she could at the time, sex work, in the room that she had shared with her husband. He returned from mining several weeks after that life choice. His joyous reunion with his young wife was tarnished by learning about the things that she had to do in order to stay at the hotel. Only seeing rage, the husband murdered her in their room and then ran into historical obscurity. We have no idea what his name is. He never was caught. He just got trampled by a moose, one hopes. Alice, on the other hand, never left the scene of the crime, it seems. And I included many photos that we can use uh, from walking around in the upper floors. Uh, this, an entire hotel has been remodeled a few times, but they try to make it look like how it did back in 1913. Room number 219 is thought to be haunted by, by many former employees. The former employees are not haunting the place. They believe they ran into a ghost while working in 219. Did want to clarify that. That would be a very stuffed hotel room otherwise. They reported getting goosebumps that the, and the, the room was cold at the time for no reason. Some employees believe that the ghost who resides in room 219 is unhappy and tormented. It is a room that guests routinely will request to be moved out of as well. And many believe Alice also haunts this room. But the story goes that she was... But this is where things get a little bit... Uh, cloudy. So uh, the staff will say that 219 is where Alice haunts, but then there's a separate legend of a woman who was murdered by a jealous lover instead of her husband. So we have two different stories, origin stories for Alice. One is older than the other. Room 218 has been also cited as a paranormal hotspot in the hotel and also visits from Alice. Guests have reported being touched in that room, while others have reported seeing Alice sitting on their bed while they slept. Uh, according to staff, if you look at room 308 from the foot of the staircase on the second floor, you will see Alice watching you within the mirror. She is described as having a long and long oval face with blonde hair in curls. Other reported paranormal activity is that towels or other room items are moved around after being placed there by housekeeping. Housekeeping will arrange towels in the bathrooms only for them to be moved within a few moments later. Room 315 is permanently closed off. If you look for it on the third floor, like I did, you will not find it. It is because of the events that happened on May 19, 2007. That evening, the USS Bunker Hill was in Juneau Port. Uh, do and 
but it was due to leave the following day. One of the sailors on the cruiser had requested the quote-unquote haunted room, and the staff just put him in a random room, which happened to be 315. The streets of Juno were full of sailors that night in the site, taking in the sights and enjoying their time off the cruiser in the local bars in the historic district where Franklin Street is. And the Alaskan bar was full that night with local bands playing and patrons enjoying themselves. 22-year-old AmeriCorps volunteer Jill Whites was staying in room 215 below 315 and recounts what happened in the early hours that night. I remember hearing yelling, but kind of just assumed that it was coming from the bar downstairs, White said. We hear glasses shatter from above, and then within moments, our window within our hotel room just shatters. The next building is only a few feet away. Caught between the buildings, the sailor broke more than a few windows on his way down. Between He basically fell from the third floor through the... It's maybe a two-foot gap between the Alaskan and the other building. And he went right down. And the problem is that part of um, Franklin Street is on pillars on the ground. So everything's actually lifted up. It's not actually on the ground ground. So if he had fallen all the way down to ground level, it would have been difficult to get him out. Because he would basically be an entire floor lower than Franklin Street. If that makes sense. And he thankfully did not get caught between the buildings because that would be very painful as well. His body hitting the window and shattering the glass into our rooms and then proceeding to fall down downward was mind bending to say the least whites completed saying the sailor in question had been screaming in room 315 before jumping out the third story window or was pushed out the third story window. No one's not sure because didn't say anything. When police officers kicked down the door to his hotel room, they found a gruesome sight of blood everywhere. Uh, The walls were covered in blood, Juno police officer Chris Gifford said. There was, it looked like something very bad had happened in there, and I don't know what it was, but it didn't look normal, he is quoted saying. Miraculously, the sailor was able to crawl out of the alleyway where he landed and was medevaced out of Juno and survived the incident. However, no one knows what happened in that room that night besides the poor sailor, and no one knows if it was paranormal or something else. As for me, I stayed there for two nights. Um, I did not have any paranormal experiences. I was very disappointed. Uh, That place is very busy, though. There are people going in and out of it at all times of day that are quite corporeal and it is loud there until about 3 a.m. when the entire city finally goes to sleep and the karaoke carries through all the floors. So thank goodness for my noise canceling headphones or I would never have been able to sleep. Because people are drunkenly shouting at each other on the street. And oh boy, the live bands are great, but they vibrate throughout the entire building. So it's a a good hotel to go visit. It's very rustic. There is no elevator. So don't be like me and carry a 75-pound suitcase up three floors. (laughs) That was very hot. I did not enjoy doing that. Um, it was more workout than I wanted to do that day. 
and uh, and uh, the rooms are also very cozy because they were built in 1913. So, and even though they were remodeled in the 70s, they're still pretty tight by today's standards. Not all of them have private bathrooms at all uh, either. The ones in the front, the old bordello rooms, uh, those do have private bathrooms. One of them has a private kitchenette, but the rest of them in the back of the building have a, um, I won't call it public because the public can't get to the second and third floor, but you share the bathroom with everyone else on the, on that floor. So it's kind of like a youth hostel in that way or a dormitory. But that is my story about the Alaskan hotel. Any, any thoughts before we move on to your story, Jen? No one knows what happened to the sailor, his name, or he's never said anything publicly. It, it has not been revealed publicly. Hmm. Now, apparently his mom from Arizona did call and angrily chew out the manager of the hotel saying, why did you put my son in the haunted room? <laughs> um, but um the name has not been released. I looked at two different news articles and neither one of them gave the name, but the hmm. stories were exactly the same. Gotcha. So it was just that, that was that story. Um, huh. I know it's definitely when I asked around at the Alaskan about the ghosts, everyone talked about the weird incident in the three fifteen, hmm. And I was like, okay. And you can see where 315 is supposed to be. Um, it used to have two twin beds and uh, in it. And you can find photos of what it looked like on the hotel sites. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I could not find it when I walked around like a tourist. Did they not? Maybe they just discontinued using it? I think that's what they did. Deaths. Yeah. Hmm. It may be like a last ditch overflow room. But yeah. that's just me speculating on the use of that. Maybe they changed the number on it. They mm. could have also done that. And that's really common to do as well in hotels. So if anyone who listens has been to the Alaskan and stayed there and may know the answer, please write to us at hometown. Was it hometown haunted mail at gmail.com? Hmm. We can run the banner. Yeah. yeah. Run the banner for our YouTube <laughs> audience. Yeah. Hometown yeah. haunted mail at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And we're always looking for new haunts too, by the way. Yes. We can read it. It's a hometown mm -hmm. haunt. Yes. So Juno doesn't have a lot of ghost stories to it. Um, I was a little bit surprised because of it being a mining town. Mm -hmm. um, it's not exactly the safest of professions in the world. Yeah. But I there isn't a lot. Like the entire um, panhandle of Alaska is what they call that um, chain of uh, like Sitka, Juno. Mm -hmm. Geography is failing me, but along that uh, part of the Pacific coast, all those islands, um, there are a lot of ghost stories for all those different places, but not a whole lot for Juno. It's mostly the Alaskan hotel that I found. Did anyone while you were there talk about the um, UFO abductions and alien visitations no. or anything? No, what they did tell me about was that Juno drugs building is haunted mm. and actually Somebody who worked there bought Cabinet of Curiosities during the Minicon last year mm -hmm. and told me all about the Juno drugstore building being haunted. <laughs> no one talked to me about the aliens or owls at all. 
And I was disappointed. I was prepared for it. And no one talked about it at all. That's why I don't want to ever go there. It's very pretty. I I really love Alaska. Yeah. Like it, it's it was a place that I always wanted to go to because my dad had been there so many times and talked mm -hmm. very warmly about everything there. And when I went, I didn't know what to expect. Juno is not the frigid uh, snow apocalypse that people think of the rest of Alaska, though they do have a lot of snow right now. <laughs> it's easily over two feet. But what? Two feet? Wow. It's easily like one of my friends was posting photos of her house and I'm like, oh, that that's that's lake effect snow you've got there. Yeah. Like, um, oh, that's the fun snow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's Buffalo, New York snow. Yeah, uh, upstate New York's really bad. Yeah. I'm familiar. So, yeah, they, they sound, they look like that right now. But uh, I haven't yeah. seen like that since I was in college in, in upstate New York. It was the last time I saw massive, massive amounts of snow, I think. Yeah. The yeah. only time I didn't like it was when it got so high that it was higher than the car you were traveling in. Yeah. So you kind of would worry about it collapsing on top of you. Yeah. That's, I think, what happened in the blizzard of 78. Mm. It killed several people. Yeah. Because uh, houses collapsed on them. Yeah. I mean, that, um, that was a bad year for the entire country, I think. It, it was, was. Bad here in Cincinnati, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's when, didn't the Ohio River freeze that year? Yes. Yes. Still see pictures of it. Yeah. Uh -huh. I I scanned in a bunch of pictures when I worked at the Inquirer of people walking across it throughout mm -hmm. the years. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that that's brave of you. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I don't think I'd ever... I don't care how cold it is. I am not walking across a frozen body of water. No, 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 no. It's kind of fun. No. <laughs> it's fun to look down and see the fish pop up. And you're just like, hey yep. there. I want to catch sure you. you. The people that put the um, fishing cabins like on the ice so they can fish through them. Yeah. Uh -uh. No. Uh, no. And then you're going to drill a hole on top of it and then sit on top of it and it's mm -hmm. not going to cave in. Hopefully No, because it's pretty thick. I know. You can even drive to your cabin with your car too in some places. Yes. I have a it friend. It seems like a very cold hobby. Yeah. I have a friend from um, it is. one of the Dakotas. Mm -hmm. probably North Dakota and uh, if they would if you were drive your car out on the ice insurance companies like nope nope so sorry if you lose it you're, you're SOL I'm sure yeah but um, my sister and her family went ice fishing with a friend up in Montana mm -hmm. and I saw pictures of the little ice shack mm -hmm. and it was basically a heated RV with a TV and Look real nice, and all you had to do was open up the floor, and there's the whole nice. Yeah, it's uh, that's bigger than the one that I visited with my dad growing up. Yeah, that one was basically the size of a Joy John mm -hmm. with a heater <laughs> in it. Tiny, but it was tiny, but it was also um, uh, it's just in northern Michigan, so yeah, yeah uh, that's what I always associate with northern Michigan, like the fishing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of Wisconsin and Minnesota. Mm -hmm. doing that and then i think of grumpier old men so <laughs> anyway <laughs> moving on so jen you have yes. a witch's tower tonight to share with everyone yes and before i forget like i always do i'm gonna <laughs> tell tell you my sources first okay 
Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> it's time for me to take my medication because I'm old. Yeah, we need to give Miffy her pill too. Oh, I need to give Mickey hers. Yeah, we're all bad. Oh, okay. Hold on now. Okay, it's been a week since I looked at this. Shh, don't tell people that. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I did it today. Yeah, originally you were supposed to read it last week. Oh, here they are. And okay. uh, and then we switched up the schedule a little bit. because I. Yeah. You don't worry, I'm cutting this all out. I was so long-winded. Okay, Jen. <laughs> okay. All right, my sources are uh, Dayton Daily News, uh, ColumbusNavigator.com, and DaytonLocal.com. Uh, the Prodigy so it group takes place in Dayton? In Dayton Unknown. Well, it's Kettering. Kettering. So just a little bit north of Dayton. And um, I think the city of Dayton owns the park or did at one point that this witch's tower is in. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Uh, the witch's tower. A turret-shaped tower located in the Hills and Dales Metro Park in Kettering, Ohio, is the source of ghost stories and legends. It stands at 30 feet tall, 56, when it had a roof. And over the years, it's had many names, including Haunted Tower or Castle, Patterson's Tower, Lookout Tower, Witch's Tower, Hills and Dales Tower, and Frankenstein's Castle or Frankenstein's Tower. Uh, one legend says that the tower was the place to be for local witchcraft. Another says a woman distraught over the death of her husband jumped from the top during the Civil War area. area era. <laughs> Ghosts are also said to wander around the tower. In reality, the tower was built between 1940 and 1941 by the National Youth Administration, which, from what I understand, is like the Boy Scouts. Uh, it was designed to provide a 15-mile view of the community country club, which surrounded the tower. It was built with stones salvaged from condemned building, buildings in the city, I believe Dayton, uh, about 50, 50 steps about 50 steps led up to the tower itself, and then another 50 steps inside the tower up to the viewing platform. According to the Dayton Daily News, in the 60s, due to the remote location, vandals enjoyed causing mischief by leaving beer and whiskey bottles strewn about, painting names on the stone walls, and throwing glass bottles at cars passing on Patterson Boulevard. But the tower's real claim to infamy was from an event in May of 1967. A 16-year-old girl and her boyfriend were caught in a thunderstorm. They sought shelter in the tower, and when the tower was struck by lightning, the girl died. Her name was Peggy Harmonson, and her boyfriend was Ronnie Stevens. The tower, unfortunately, did not have a lightning rod on the roof, which most likely led to the girl's death. That and being wet from the rain and possibly leaning against the tower's walls when the lightning struck. Ronnie suffered burns but survived. An ex excerpt from the 2015 updated 2022 article, the story behind Frankenstein's castle at Hills and Dales from Dayton Local says, Skip Peterson, a former chief photographer of the Daily, uh, Dayton Daily News for 33 years, remembers the events of 1967 like it was yesterday. Peggy Harmonson lived two doors from me in Bellbrook. She had just turned 16 and had her learner's permit. Peterson told us. 
She was dating Ronnie Stevens and he was teaching her to drive. It was like her second or third time behind the wheel. They were driving his convertible. No one knows who's, who was driving, but a rain, rainstorm came up fast. So they stopped by the tower and sought shelter, not knowing that, that it has no roof to speak of. Lightning struck the tower, killing Peggy instantly. Peterson remembered that a journal herald uh, photographer got on the scene while police and medics were trying to help him. Peterson said Ronnie, who was also injured in the incident, was apparently incoherent, screaming, and running hysterically in front of the tower. The word spread through Bellbrook quickly because a classmate was a copy boy at the Journal Herald and called someone. Even without the internet, the whole town knew by 10 p.m., Peterson said. I was a pallbearer, a rude awakening for a 16-year-old kid to bury his classmate. And that was from the Dayton local website. Um, after the tragic death, visitors to the tower reporting reported seeing burnt images of people on the inside walls and tried as they might, the park repeatedly painted over the images, uh, but they refused to be covered. It didn't take long for the tower to be permanently sealed to keep visitors safe. An excerpt from the 1967 article, uh, park tower death trap for bell, Book girl 16 in the Dayton daily news. If a lightning rod had been provided for the tower, the girl probably would have, would not have died, a spokesman for the Drake County Lightning Protection Company said. The rod presumably would have grounded the charge and would be especially useful in a structure such, such as a stone tower, she said. Asked if the city of Dayton, which owned the park at the time, would install lightning ro rods now in view of the fatal accident, John Summers Parks and Recreation Director for the City of Dayton, told the Daily News, We haven't given any thought along those lines. We reviewed the lightning rod situation a number of years ago and dismissed the idea. With this unfortunate incident just having happened, we probably will be looking at the tower totally and taking this into consideration. And that is it. So... So sorry about you, but we're not going to do anything to protect the people that go here. <laughs> so the tower is still standing. It's just locked yes. up. Yes, it's stone. Uh, the pictures I saw, it was stoned. Uh, stoned. The entryway was cemented. Oh, oh wow. Shut. Okay. It's a cute little tower. It, it is, is a cute little tower. Actually, I kind of want to go there and take pictures. But um, I forgot to men mention this. Apparently, there was an iron gate on it mm -hmm. before. And that is possibly why it was struck by lightning because it was attracted to the oh, iron. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I don't think it took long after that. I mean, they did try to keep it sealed up and people just kept getting in. And then mm -hmm. eventually they did cement it shut. So now you can't wow. get in there unless you want to crawl through the windows or something. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I beyond, yeah, beyond lightning, it was probably other types of risks too of people getting hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. falling yeah. off the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why they probably wouldn't want people hanging around there. No, mm -hmm. I mean it, it literally is all all stone. So yeah. you slip on the steps, or you know, I mean, throwing beer bottles at ca passing cars is pretty not nice. I always I remember a story years ago here of a woman who was. I don't know if she was in a taxi or if she was driving, but she was coming home one night from being out and she had her window down. It was nice summer night. Some idiot kid 
threw a rock at her, hit her in her head, and when mm-hmm. she was during the trial, she, her head was still open. Oh wow! Swelling. Yeah. Know? So it was like, <laughs> don't throw things at moving cars, people. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's bad. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many urban legends were started because of drunk kids throwing stuff off that tower. So many. Probably a lot. Probably so many. Um. I like how it's nicknamed Frankenstein's Tower for a lack of, like, there's like, that looks creepy. Frankenstein's Tower. Yeah. And then also, it looks old, so clearly it's from the Civil War. Yeah. Uh-huh. 1941. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, it, I like I like this, this spot because it had, it wasn't just the lady jumping off the tower. That wasn't the only story. Right. And like a lot of the stories came from a very real incident that happened. Yeah. You know, poor Peggy. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's tragic. And in a way, the story, ghost stories have a fascinating way of people to keep history alive. Mm-hmm. So seeing like the shadows, kind of like Hiroshima um, with yeah. after the lightning strike not being able to be painted over and refusing or like in uh, the ridges where you have where the woman died in one of the towers and there's just like a stain and they can never get rid of it. These are basically abnormal Peter natural stains to keep the memory of the victims alive. Yeah. Even though one of them still survived, that is super traumatic. Yeah, Dude, I mean, I'm not laughing. Same. I am awkward, and I am laughing because it's an awkwardness. awful situation. Yeah, it, it that's terrible. And you can't do anything but laugh because you don't know what else to do. Yeah, none um, of that. Um, well, and it's like that photographer that was quoted. <laughs> he was 16 too, mm-hmm. and he'll never forget that. Especially yeah, no, you you are. don't forget. Yeah, it, yeah. it's. Some of the first ghosts I remember seeing were friends of mine in high school that died prematurely due to either oh. their own hand or drowning in Lake Michigan. Holy and God. yeah, so I can very much empathize with this poor man who yeah. was just a high schooler, just really early. If it's 16, what yeah. are you a sophomore? Maybe yeah. maybe early junior in high school and being the pole bearer for one of your friends who mm-hmm. died of literally an act of God. Yeah, that's very surreal. And yeah. then you hear the ghost stories associated with her afterwards. That does not make anyone Which, feel good. It's kind of funny because they don't really, they weren't centered around her per se. Like no one said they saw her walking up and down the stairs. It that's just also very true. A spot for witches to do their ceremonies, or they saw scorch marks on the ground outside around it. Mm-hmm. So. This is a fascinating case yeah. of uh, for folklorists how a very true real event gets interpreted by the community and then retold. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There isn't ghosts of Peggy, I believe Mm-mm. was her name. Um, yeah, Peggy. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they I just couldn't find her. Yeah. yeah. Because she was a very real person to the community. And yes. Yes. is a very fresh, tragic tale. She isn't some lady in gray from the Civil War leaving roses on people's headstones. No, she was pe- a 16 year old teenage girl in the 60s. And people still are still alive that remember her, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe it ended up- again. 
1967. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I imagine maybe in another 50 years, it might be different. It may be different. So this is an interesting case study for folklorists to be looking into is basically modern myth and how it evolves. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I'm sitting here trying to scientifically go, Peggy, you're a ghost and we must study you type of thing. It's more of how stories like this are basically woven into our culture and Mm -hmm. our fabric and society. I think it's always interesting how there's always like a satanic panic thing too with these urban legends. So many. Yeah, it's kind of like Satan's Hollow, any kind of weird place. Oh, witches went there, which is no different than, you know, saying people practice X, Y, and Z witchcraft. Oh, you you listen to Metallica's and you must have killed those three boys. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) so much of it is, or, you know, it, it, it happens over and over again. It does. Like how many pentagrams? I w- it, it's almost like bingo, urban legend bingo. How many yes. pentagrams did you find at the location and anarchy symbols? Yeah. You know, uh, for most most of you may have seen Supernatural, the TV show, how they have mm-hmm. the, um, the tattoo on their chest <laughs> that looks kind of like a satanic, but within the show, it's to protect them from getting pos- demon possessed or whatever mm-hmm. there's this kid i follow on instagram and he has that tattoo whenever people say are you a satan worshiper oh no it's <laughs> a, a right-sided star so the star point is pointing up instead of down i you know i don't know it's kind of just like a pentagram star within a like it's got flames around it i don't know all how right all right but it's not flame. I'm gonna have flames, to look this up it, later. Yeah, it kind of looks like it's in the middle of a sun. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that one up later. Yeah, true. But for now, hands, no. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I guess I we can say, Christina, hometown. you hometown haunt to share. Yes, yes. Uh, and let me get on the right document first. Um, Does it have any sunny pentagrams in it? <laughs> I, you know what? If you have a story with a pentagram in it, I hope we hear from you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this one um, is an interesting haunt because we might even want to have this person on. Um, okay. This person was referred to me by um, my friend Kenny, who runs Urban Sketchers De- Dayton. And so she contacted me with her story. Um, mm-hmm. And this is from Kelly. And she says, We live in Bellbrook, which is huh, yep. a good segue. Um, it's very good time to share. I this know, story. I know. This, this worked perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. And it says, my good friend is a ghost hunter and we were on, uh, and we are one of her favorite houses. We have many pictures, stories for days, and we were selected for my ghost story in 2009. This is a family home dating back to the twenties. Howard was one of the first active ghosts. He would walk in the house at night, smoking a pipe. I thought my house was on fire weekly for quite some time before his son visited and confirmed he was a smoker. My son talked about a quote grumpy man end of quote that checked in on him each night which this might be sounding like similar to you cat in your house yeah (laughs) Uh, these grumpy men seem to be around sometimes we'd hear him come up the stairs we also have quote the lady in the stairs end quote two more grumpy men in my daughter's room weird occurrences in the attic closet and several visitors have come through the kitchen as well as howard jr he liked to do party tricks and stir up the dog so perhaps oh. a future guest 
Yeah, it Bellbrook is, is a like fascinating date, town. This is like our Dayton episode. Yeah. yeah. I know we did the Bellbrook Mineral Springs episode a few Yes, I remember uh, that. Yes. Last year. Um Bellbrook itself just I've gone there for paranormal investigations a few times and it is on a frequency like none other. So I can very much believe that her house, Kelly's house is haunted. And yeah, grumpy men people are kind of how they are in death if they choose to stick around what they are in life and Mm. a lot of ghosts are grumpy well i'm thinking about like you have the the whole trope of the female ghosts so it Mm. seems somehow somehow seems to work you've got grumpy men and and helpless female ghosts yeah it's grumpy is really a large spectrum of emotion (laughs) I mean, some of them are more aware of the situation where they're basically they're dead and watching everyone live around them. So they're Mm kind of grumpy about that situation because they're trying to say things. They're trying to communicate and they're being ignored. Um, And then there's kids that may just say like grumpy because they don't know how better to describe this kind of old attitude that they have. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know my mom's grumpy that's a good way to describe her but she can be pretty fun sometimes too i like the ghost howard jr who likes to do party tricks and stir up the dog that's a fun ghost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's i think there's we a need lot to hear of personalities more. yeah i want to hear more about this yeah. uh, house it, it actually yeah. sounds similar to one that i did investigate a number of years ago in bellbrook so when you're reading this, I'm like, is this that house? Is this Maybe, that is house? It, I don't it? know. Not knowing the address and don't give it on air anyway. No, no, no. We'll, um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. Because um, there was a house very similar to the one she described that I investigated. And this is 2009. So I was an investigator in 2009. Yeah. So, so yeah. It might, it might, the stars might be aligning for this. Ooh, fun. I yes. know. We'll reach out to Kelly and ask a little bit more. So yeah. So um, I, I thought this was a particularly interesting haunt. So. Yeah, it's a good haunt. So thank you yeah. for sharing, Kelly, and thank you yeah. for getting her to share, Christina. That's oh, yeah, and Kenny, Kenny. Thanks, you, Kenny, for Kenny. talking to her for us. Uh, yeah. Does Kelly still live in this house? Apparently, currently? yes. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> so maybe we could do photos and stuff. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we that, that, that was a giggle of ideas. <laughs> I know. We'll we'll be in touch for sure. Yeah. But on that note. Yes, everyone, you can be in touch with us. You can follow us at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And did I make another funny, Jen? Okay. No, that's okay. And then you can also write to us at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. We are dying to always hear your tales of the strange and unusual in your neck of the woods. You can also join our Facebook group, which is Hometown Haunts. And also, if you find us on Spotify and Apple and all the other podcast hosting websites, please leave a review for other spooky lovers like yourself to find the show. So uh, we're always happy to hear from you all. Yeah. So from myself, Jen and Christina, Thank you for joining us tonight and stay spooky. Bye-bye.